Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I am here today with Kanoor Pahal, who is an accomplished owner of Mind Hatch, but she's also an author of I Quit. And we are here to talk about quitting, all things quitting, and writing the book and the process of going through that. So Kanoor, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Feel free to talk about Mindhatch too, because I think that um, that your company is so amazing and the work that it does with the community as well. And just tell us how the book, you know, a little over overview synopsis of the book for us. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. So yeah, my company is called Mindhatch. I've had her for about seven years. And what we do through Mindhatch is really help clients nonprofits, for-profits alike, you know, any different sector uh, you can think of, we really help them create the right conditions for innovation and creativity to thrive. So we do that through a couple of different methods. Like we're really experts in methodologies. And one method is design thinking and human-centered design. Another is organizational improv, which is our term for kind of bringing and applying the behaviors, mindsets, and skills of improvisational comedy and theater to the workplace. Um, also, thanks. Yeah, we also do facilitation work primarily around achieving innovation and getting consensus around new ideas and what to do with them. And uh, we also do some diversity and inclusion work, really merging our passion and expertise with improv with kind of our understanding that to be innovative as a company, you really also need to be diverse and inclusive. So important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me, I know that from this beautiful, awful, wonderful barf-inducing year that we have had, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, has been birthed this book, I Quit. And tell me a little bit about the premise of your book. Sure. Yeah. Well, the full title is I Quit! Exclamation point, the life-affirming joy of giving up. So it definitely is putting out there a reframing, a reimagining of how we view quitting and how we view quitters. And so the book is a collection of stories that I've kind of am telling from everyday people. You know, I interviewed 35 different people, most of whose stories will make it into the into the book. I kind of accidentally over-interviewed without knowing it. <laughs> and so, but it's all about their stories around like things in their lives that they quit, whether it's jobs or it's people or marriages or it's identities or aspirations, mm. just the whole kind of panoply of human experience that you can decisively quit, right? And leave behind. And I was just talking to individuals about a quitting story that they had and kind of what that meant for them. And so my kind of idea for the book really came from definitely my own personal experiences of kind of like in my mid twenties, like finally shedding the type A perfectionist, kind of do the right thing at all costs, you know, kind of attitude and quitting jobs, you know, quitting other things as well. And just realizing how positive those experiences were and how much, totally. how much more quickly quitting stuff got me to where I actually wanted to be in life. And I also realized that a lot of things that I quit, especially the jobs, you know, I quit when I understood that they were like violating my values. Right. And so it was always kind of like, okay, this is not right for me. You know, a lot of the people I talked to in the book use this phrase of like no longer serving me. Right. This thing was no longer serving me. I think that's kind of like one way of saying like, you know, it, it was violating my values or, you know, wasn't getting me where I wanted to be. 
And, and yeah, and so it's a collection of stories um, of people and how they summoned the courage to quit things in their lives themselves. And I really hope it'll be a small kind of offering to the world, you know, to, you know, rethink quitting and really remove the stigma and the shame that our society, and as I've learned others, has placed on quitting. But like, I hadn't even thought of this story before you started mm-hmm. saying this, but I will share, I'm going to share a story that away. from my not so far away past, but I was in a job and I fucking loved this job. Like <laughs> I knew that it wasn't my forever job because at the time I, my plan was to become a nurse. And so this was like on the path, but I had never worked so in sync with a team before. I had never had such a positive work environment before. I had never felt so just loved, like, and it was specifically with the coworkers that I was working with. And the leadership asked me to do something that was like a gray area. I like, I said, I'm uncomfortable with that. I feel that that is not like, I mean, it was one of those where you could kind of see it either way. But for me, it was hitting like not within the realm of what was, um, I I worked in healthcare. So it was like something that was not in the realm of like what I was authorized to do. Mm -hmm. And, And so I had a meeting first with the manager and I said, listen, this is what's happening. I don't feel comfortable with that. So I'm not going to do that because Mm -hmm. I don't feel that that's within the scope of what I should be doing. And I don't think it's in the best interest of our patients. And, you know, like, so I am going to decline. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the leader came to, you know, came to me directly and was like, I hear you have a problem with me asking you to do this thing. And I was like, yeah, I do because that's what you're trained to do. That's that's Mm -hmm. your um, area of expertise, not mine. And like, I'm here to support you and I love my job, but I feel like that's crossing a line that I'm not comfortable with. And he was like, well, this is the way that it's going to be. And then I knew from that moment on that I had to leave. So I did leave that job. I mean, I started looking right away and I mourned. I mean, like I bawled for probably because I went into a job that was horrible. I mean, horrible, horrible, horrible. Like Mm -hmm. that one was just flat out red flags just all over the place. Mm -hmm. But to go from a place where you felt so loved and so included and so wonderful, but then like, like you said, and that's exactly the words you said, like it violated the core of the, of what was yeah. my mission, what my purpose, what my um, values were like. Yeah. And it was something so simple. It was like really easy to fix. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, hey, you're going you're gonna to fall on this sword. Yeah, like, like really that's yeah. going to be the thing. Like yeah. this is within your scope, not in my scope. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and it's one of those like really highly regulated environments. And so I was not willing to take on, I was surprised that that person was willing to take on that risk. And then it sounds, I'm trying, I'm I'm being vague on purpose because I don't want to get anyone in (laughs) trouble. But the thing is, it really wasn't that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was just something where I personally felt like it violated my values. Like I just didn't feel honest or good about it. And I just felt like it was not something that should happen. And there was a hard line pulled. And I was like, okay, well, you just put a hard line. Like you're saying my values are not valid. So I can't be here. And then mourning, like losing something that otherwise was so like life-giving for me, 
but like you can't like when you have a hard line in what your values are mm-hmm. like you can't you can't like you can but you're gonna die inside yeah and that's something I kind of I forgive myself for I mean in in my experience it felt like I learned the lesson so late in life you know but now I'm like yeah. thinking now I was like my mid to late 20s wasn't wasn't that long but I you know one thing that I forgive kind of like my early decisions or maybe lack of decisions on is that you know I just didn't have my values maybe solidified right I didn't have that self-knowledge or self-awareness of like what I stood for or what was going to be my lines that I would not let anyone cross you know and that that's understandable you know like you know, and I was probably more precocious than most and like, you know, got there a little bit faster, I think. Um, Oh yeah. But it's okay if it takes time to really understand yourself. Because what I learned from writing this book is that for so many people, like what made quitting the right move for them was that it was violating their core. Right. But it's like, well, you don't, know that until you actually understand what you stand for right you know so it's okay if you like make some mistakes or stay in something a little bit too long while you're kind of figuring out yourself and what you stand for you know like that's okay so I do kind of forgive my my early years of maybe we don't know I, I yeah, think you don't know. Like I'm 42 and mm-hmm. I, I think I'm only now figuring out like what my values are, you know what I mean? Like there are some big ones that I've known my whole life, you know what I mean? Like that I've known right or wrong or whatever, but there's like some really hard lines, like in some of the diversity inclusion things that, cause we're both in F-bomb breakfast club. And so there's some big, you know, movements towards, you know, diversity inclusion and feminism where I never like in my younger years, I didn't have feelings opposing them but I didn't have strong feelings about them whereas now I'm seeing how those things affect other people Mm -hmm. and I have some strong feelings like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I have some strong feelings because of like the necessity of humanity of like basic Mm -hmm. things and so I think you're right in terms of like eight with age comes and I say it like we're like we're so old you know like grizzled veterans yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know but no like I just feel like I'm just now coming into my own and that's why these things are sort of popping up where we're like oh wait actually that doesn't hit right with me yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's right. I think I think when you say that doesn't hit right with you, I mean, I think one of the key ways to learn what your values are to just experience and live your values, right? You know, like if I hadn't quit several different friendships, relationships, jobs, what have you, I wouldn't have had this like constant iteration and putting myself in new experiences and new scenarios in which I learned more about myself, right? You know, and I just think about, you know, I used to work at Deloitte Consulting uh, and I and I loved it for the vast majority of my time. It was really it was really like positive move after like the first job out of grad school that I that I quit was awful. But, you know, I was I went to Deloitte as like uh, what was called an experienced hire. So I wasn't I wasn't hired like right out of undergrad. But I worked alongside with and was friends with quite a few people who had joined the company right out of undergrad. You know, they were recruited right out of undergrad. And now it was like eight, nine, 10 years later. And these people, you know, they've worked for almost 10 years at Deloitte Consulting. They're brilliant. They're smart. They're capable. They're professional. And yet many of them I spoke to would say like, you know, I just, 
I don't know what else to do. Like, I have to stay here. Like, even though maybe I don't want to, or my mind is changing, but I, I don't know what else to do, you know? And to me, that is like really tragic, you know? I for... was going to say, that's just sad to me. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe because we are like trailblazing in a way as entrepreneurs and like uh -huh. not all of us got to it like intentionally like I I say I'm the accidental entrepreneur but like mm -hmm. you know you you are making your own way when you own a business and even if you're in corporate like we always have a there's always another choice yeah, there's always <laughs> another choice. It may not look exactly the way you want it or come in the package that you want it or have all the bells and whistles that you want it to have, but it could be the stepping stone to what you do want. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so you it's sad when you mentioned the word choice. And that is something that I really took away from writing this book, but also inspired the book, which is that like, you know, quitting is a choice, but so is not quitting, you know, like so true. not quitting is yeah. also an active choice, you know, and like, you need to kind of recognize that, you know, and, and why is it, why is that choice safer or less risky than quitting or making a pivot or switching things up, you know? And so I think it's something that we kind of have let ourselves get fooled into thinking there's safety in inaction, right? Where, that is actually still a choice that you were making. Yeah, absolutely. I like, I've told this story of this moment where I felt so lost in the very, very like, in, like inception days of my business. I really didn't even know what my business was. I just had gotten a business license because I was doing admin work for friends and mm -hmm. I'd gotten fired from a job. And so I was like, well, I don't want to get Venmo payments in my bank account and get audited and then have them <laughs> where these come from. So I got a business license. So mm -hmm. that's how I became a business owner. So I remember standing in this like amazing office in downtown Bellevue and just looking out at like, this night view and then just being like, what the hell am I doing? Like, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, where, what am I even doing? And then suddenly just this little tiny voice within saying, just stay, just stay. Like basically like hang on for the ride. Like say, and there's been so many times since then where I've wanted to quit mm -hmm. and that would have been a choice. Yeah. You know what I mean, and it could have been the right choice. It could have been the, the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think the, the bolder and the more challenging choice for me, because I'm not naturally a risk taker mm -hmm. is to just push through my fear and, mm -hmm. and that's, I'm quitting my fear when I do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm mm -hmm. quitting my desire to quit. Like, you know, and I've, mm -hmm. and I've seen myself when I commit, I want to quit. Like Im immediately, like I'll say, right. I'm going to do this thing and I want to quit like mm -hmm. immediately. And so when you say like not quitting is also a form of quitting, it's like true. It's just like, it's, it's also a decision. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. mm -hmm. it's very interesting, you know, the, the thought process that goes in that when people may think like from a moral standpoint or like, oh, we're better because we stuck around in whatever scenario that might be, mm -hmm. that doesn't, that actually isn't true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, there's a whole bunch of sliding door moments that could happen here. Yeah. You're missing. You know what I mean? Like, 
And so I guess like what I loved about the concept that I understood from your book was like just the, the, the openness for possibility, you know, the space for possibility. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. I think that was something. So I went into writing this book, of course, having my own opinions on quitting them being very positive. Right. But obviously through interviewing over 30 people, I kind of continued to like learn some things about, about quitting. And, and one of the things that I wasn't expecting, but like many, many, many people I interviewed did mention exactly that, this notion of like possibilities, you know, that in their story, like the fact that they quit that thing, they were surprised themselves to learn that they just, it just created more space and room for like other things to come into their lives. And because they had done that kind of, editing of their life by quitting the things that were coming to them were like more on point. They were more correct for them. They were more right for them to like try on next, you know? And so there really was this kind of sense of like a proliferation of possibilities that opened up to them once they let this anchor that was weighing them down go. And I think coincidental to that, a lot, a lot of the stories people told me just happened to be about their first really big like momentous quit. And, and every single person said, Oh my God, I, I I did this and the world didn't explode. And -and so-and-so supported me way more than I thought they would. And guess what? No one died. And so they really just started to like quit more things because they had this like newfound confidence, you know, and like positivity around quitting and that they were like, what was I waiting for? You know? And and so it really kind of gave them this like freedom and license and confidence to quit even more things, or at least kind of be, be a bit more discriminating, you know, and what they kept in their lives. Let's Marie Kondo our lives a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The title is definitely evoking the cadence of that book for sure. I love that. I love that. And that was the example that I had given you when we were talking before was the book that I had read, which is Bob Goff, Love Does. And he talks about how he quits something like every Thursday. And like, if it's not like a habit or like he quit his law firm on a Thursday, like he like, you know what I mean? Like it could be something really huge. It could be something that he donated to Goodwill. It's just that he has an Mm -hmm. intentional habit every week that he will quit something every week because he wants to make space for more love in his life. Hmm. And so I think it's just an, it's an interesting concept of being intentional and quitting you know what I mean like mm-hmm. to have this life of affor- life affirming you know giving up of yeah. you know like and letting in you know what I mean yeah. like you don't make room sometimes for the joy mm-hmm. because we're too busy clinging on to all this stuff whether it be physical mental spiritual relational whatever it might mm-hmm. be but we are so attached to the titles and the different things that it means for us that we don't make room for all of the things that could be coming our way. And so mm-hmm. it's so important to highlight that it's, oh, it's not only okay to quit because there's mm-hmm. a stigma around it. It's not only mm-hmm. okay, it is preferable. Like yeah, times just to be celebrated, you know, I, yes. I, I'm forgetting which person I talked to for the book, but like, they were explaining, they were explaining just like all the bad stuff that was, that was going on, you know, and, and in, in related, related to this thing that they were quitting. And, and I found myself saying like, 
you know, the reaction so often when you tell someone you quit something is like, eesh, or, oh, are you sure, you know, and that kind of thing. But like, I feel like so often, like a better reaction should be like, wow, it must've been really bad for you to want to quit, (laughs) you know, like, like it must've been that bad, you know? And so it's just like a little pivot in how we kind of like respond to things. And that was my response to this person when they were telling me their story was like, wow, yeah, it must've been bad, you know, if you gave that up, you know, and rather than doubting someone's, you know, feelings of like, was it bad enough to actually quit or should you have stuck it out, you know? So, yeah. Or maybe even saying something along the lines of of like, wow, that must've been hard. Are you okay? Yeah. Like, how are you, you know, how's that? How are you feeling after that? You know what I mean? Like, Uh you don't know, maybe they're like, fucking hallelujah you know what I mean like yeah yeah like this is amazing or you know like I mean I was just thinking like of two like two very obvious examples like divorce for some people is a horrific process for some people is an amazing liberating process Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and then like addiction for most people that is like a lifelong just quitting continually daily, you know what yeah, I mean? Always like, in continually yeah. dealing with that process. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody says like, like, Oh, I quit my marriage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, Oh God, you know what I mean? Or whatever, just be like, Oh, how's that? How are you doing? Like, is this a good thing? Or are we, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, are, do you need any support or, you know, like, mm-hmm. how about that? Like, or if someone yeah. said, you know, like I'm clean, you know, like just instead of doubting, Mm-hmm. just being like, hallelujah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. How can I support you? You know like what I mean? Celebrating like, people who are making active choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. What was the most surprising quit that you found in your book? What was the most surprising one? You mean in terms of like what they quit or? Anything. Like if you, yeah. like, yeah. like, a, like you, like maybe they teed up the story and you thought it was going one way and then it like took a turn <laughs> or like maybe it was like an oddball thing, like something that you would have never thought would have ended up being in the list that kind of thing. Yeah. So I I set out to kind of find things that were going to be obviously compelling emotionally, like talking to someone who quit their marriage, right? Or I talked to someone who quit heroin. But I also wanted to kind of put things in there that are like on the lighter side of life, you know? And so I I talked to someone who their big quitting story was about how they quit drinking soda. And it is such a compelling emotional story like you wouldn't believe you know like you just reading that title you would not expect it to have such depth you know and such like heartbreak and heartwarming you know but it it really does surprise you in that way for sure and i think another one that surprised me cuz i think you know i went into writing this book assuming that stigma and the shame around quitting was somehow Western or American, you know, like this whole kind of puritanical work ethic that we've all been raised in, you know, just does no one any good, you know? And and I assumed it was a, maybe a direct output from our Puritan work ethic, right? But it was interesting. I, I, I got really um, fortunate and like a lot of people who found me and reached out to be interviewed do represent a lot of different cultures. And I spoke to someone who is a Nigerian originally and... Her story is about how she became a doctor and then quit being a doctor. 
So you can imagine like sunk costs in that, right? But uh, but part of her story was sharing that like in her Nigerian family, like quitting was not allowed. It was all about achieving, achieving. She was also the eldest and the most achieving. So it was really setting the tone for the family. But in her family, basically the saying was that, you know, quitting is for Americans. Like that's what Americans do. Like we don't quit. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they're not all wrong, but. Right? I mean, it is interesting though, but I, I, I mean, none of it is incorrect. It was just really fascinating to hear, like here, I thought this was like an American thing, the stigma around quitting, but then no, it also exists in Nigerian culture. And also they think that Americans don't have stigma or shame around quitting, you know? And they, and so just, that was really interesting and surprising. And it, it really kind of, that plus talking to people from other, you know, cultures made me think like, wow, this quitting thing is like global, the stigma around it, you know, it exists everywhere pretty much. Well, and the interesting dichotomy too, that one culture would assume that another culture has a stigma or not stigma around it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they would think that we're totally cool with it. When in fact, our society is like, there's so much shame around it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like so and, much shame. and another thing that really came out during writing the book, which I, I'm going to like, I'm going to apply this lens to, you know, this Nigerian woman and her family's take on like quitting is for Americans. You know, what came out from other stories was this idea of quitting as a privilege, you know, which I think can be very true. Like, especially uh, when yeah. you think of quitting a job or quitting a marriage, there's a lot of privilege or not privilege at play you know like I got divorced this year and and the second I made the decision I had this like flood of just like recognition of my own privilege happen where I was like wow I can make this decision because I know I'll have a roof over my head I know I'll have health care I don't have kids I don't have to worry about an abuser tracking me down you know there are all these aspects of my own privilege that really went into me being able to make the decision to end my marriage, right? And so I think that whole kind of like idea that this woman's family had that quitting is for Americans maybe was attached to just how relatively yeah. privileged Americans are. Absolutely. But, but to me, the conundrum is people with the privilege, like say the lifers at Deloitte I worked with, aren't exercising their privilege. They're still not quitting, right? Because the stigma and the shame is just that strong, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of my, my little, you know, wrapping my head around that, that connection. Yeah. Oh my word. What would you say, and you don't have to ruin the story, but (laughs) what story like took your breath away? Like, I'm sure there were a couple that you were just like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like unexpected, but like just really hit you in the gut. Gosh, so many of them did, I have to say. I think speaking to the person who quit heroin was really impactful on me and and less about how he quit, but kind of like the family circumstances around it. And yeah, that was a real, really, really compelling. And I think another one that I found so compelling and illuminating of like another kind of aspect of quitting was I, I spoke to someone who quit the circus. She was a circus performer and she quit the circus. And yeah, and it was a really interesting 
reason, like that really stuck out to me. Like she quit because she had accomplished everything she wanted. She met her goals. And so she was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go back to working in corporate now. You know? And so oh my God. That's so awesome. Like, yeah. And I was like, what, a, what another great reason to quit something, you know, and yeah, like that not, you feel that you not keep living with inertia and just keep going for the sake of going, you know? And cause I think so often it's really easy to like stay in something just because we're good at it. Yes. And then like not question why we're still doing it. Right. And so here is this woman who I thought was incredible and she was top of her field and what she was doing, you know, like, but she was like, okay, cool. I did everything I wanted to do. And I, I, I met my goals. So I'm going to, I'm going to quit this now. <laughs> you know, and I thought that was just really, really amazing. And that intentionality and like, you know, self-reflectiveness for sure. That is like what keeps me as an entrepreneur right now. Like, I feel like there's the moving mileposts. <laughs> like, and so it's like, I could go back to what I know I could be successful at. Yeah. But why, when I could potentially fail harder or succeed higher than I would ever imagine, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so that if I, I feel like if I went backwards, it would be like her at the top of her game. Like I could, I could get something, you know what I mean? But then it's like, (laughs) then what? Okay. Yeah. Which is why I thought I was going to be a nurse because I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be in healthcare and I'm going to do administrative management, I'm going to do all this, then I want to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. For some reason, I always knew I didn't want to be a doctor. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do nursing school. I was actually going to be a gerontologist, in a nurse practitioner gerontologist, a DNP. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go to Seattle U and I had gone to their info session twice and I had it all planned out and the whole universe said no. And so it was just, just so interesting and how brave to say, I have accomplished what I needed to accomplish Mm -hmm. and my time here is done. And I have a new adventure Mm -hmm. that where I'm going to be, I'm going to be a beginner again. Like no one likes being the beginner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no, well, maybe there's some weirdos out there that do, but <laughs> yeah. most of the time it's really hard to suck at something for a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's also harder to stay stuck when you have either achieved the top or something is so wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so that there's bravery either way, you know what I mean? Yeah, like either to walk away from something where you're so accomplished and you have everything mm-hmm. or because it's no longer serving you mm-hmm. or you're no longer happy or, yeah. you know, or you've done all you can do or to walk away from something that is not serving you because it's actually bringing you down and holding you back from who you're supposed to be. I just think that's yeah. both are really yeah. interesting examples. Yeah. And it's, I, it's all about trade-offs, you know, just something I directly ask every person I interviewed. It was like, you know, what, what were the trade-offs that you accepted by giving this up, you know? And, and even though they don't have any regrets, if anything, the only regret is that people have is that they didn't quit earlier. (laughs) It took them so long, but, you know, people definitely acknowledge that they were giving some things up, you know, and it was just a matter of like, well, this was worth it to me, you know? And so I think it goes back to the kind of understanding of yourself and what you stand for and what you want, you know? And I think it's, if there's like, my book is not a how to quit book, you know? And I think the reason why it isn't, and there probably should never be a book like that is because it's so so like unique and individual, right? Like 
like my set of trade-offs are not the same as the next person's, Absolutely. you know, like, you know, and so it really is just about what you are willing to put up with and not willing to put up with. Right. And so it really is such an individual decision and choice to make. And yeah, uh, yeah which is, I think just underlines why it's so nuts. So that we judge people and apply this stigma and shame to quitting. Yeah. Also, butt the fuck out, people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't affect you. <laughs> yeah. Let's like, just assume that like my guts are good and yes. say, wow, it must have been worth it. You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. what have you learned? Like, what would you say that for you personally has been like the takeaways that have really affected you personally in your own journey from writing the process of writing the book? Definitely just going back to that whole kind of like understanding yourself and what you stand for, you know, and not not apologizing for living your values, right? I think I, love that. Um, I write about in the introduction, this idea of like, I will, I list out all of my quit and in kind oh, of nice. looking, and like looking at the things that I've quit in my life, I, I'm very proud of it, you know? And I, and what it tells me about myself is that I'm not someone who's going to live their life with inertia, you know, I'm not just going to plot along and not make a choice, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I think what I've learned the, the most is that one, that my, my hunch that I had for so many years is right. Yeah. That I couldn't have been the only one out there who felt really good about quitting things you know? yeah, and, um, and who wanted to like reframe it. And, and then, yeah, I think just kind of what else I learned was just that it's such a unique and individual experience and choice that it doesn't deserve the stigma and the shame. Like so much about quitting is making forward momentum and making progress in your life, you know, and it has this connotation of failure or stasis, you know, or like the absence of something Mm -hmm. when really for a lot of people, it's like you're moving more quickly toward something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I normally ask this question differently, but I feel prompted to ask it this way. And that is if there's somebody out there who's thinking about quitting something or who has recently quit something and they're really struggling with it, Mm -hmm. what piece of advice would you give them that maybe is something pulled from the awesomeness that you've witnessed with all of these people who have had good results from letting go? Mm -hmm. What piece of advice would you have for that person who's either thinking or who has recently quit something that they're struggling with? Yeah, I would say think back to the reasons why you want to quit or why you did quit. Maybe even write down or think through your own mind some of like the the mini stories or mini moments that like made you think you wanted to quit, you know, and, and really kind of like understand what was going on in those mini moments. Like why did those upset you? Or why did those cross a line, you know, and, and jot down like what it says about you that those things bothered you. Like, what was it? Was it values or was it something else? You know, just what was it that like was not sitting right with you in those moments? And maybe look at that list and say, okay, which of these are my, my uh, non-negotiables, right? You know, like what is, what can I absolutely under any circumstances not live with? And what what can I live with, right? And really just examine what your own trade-offs are, right? And so I think that's something I would, I would encourage anyone to do, especially when they're thinking about quitting. But also I think there's a lot of value in kind of reflecting back on your past quitting stories, you know, and just kind of understanding what they say about you. 
I was just going to say, I kind of want to write a, my, a list of my own quits too, but I think it would be so long. Yeah. Maybe, I just, <laughs> maybe I just write like what I've quit in the last three to five years. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like start there and then just be like gold star. Just tell about me X, Y, Z. And then do you like that X, Y, Z? Like what it says yeah. about you? You know, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the last question I ask every mm -hmm. guest is what is the best piece of advice that's ever been given to you? And this could be something not related to the topic at all. And it can be from any source, a person, place, thing. You could have read <laughs> it. It could have been something you saw on Shit's Creek. It could be like whatever. You know what I mean? Like what's something that you've heard before or been told that really sits with you as a piece of wisdom? Yeah. So... I want to share two, if that's yes. okay. So one, one piece of advice that I was actually given was my first job after grad school. One of the, you know, more senior junior people there who he'd been there for a few years. He told me, Kunor, just be careful what you're good at here. Because <laughs> <he> <laughs> I think, I think this poor guy's story was that he happened to be very good at writing and so he was just asked time and time again, blah, 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 by team after team by after team to like write their proposals when that wasn't his job, <laughs> you know? And so he was kind of like, just kind of be careful what you let people know you're good at and, and, it, and make sure what people know you're good at is what you also want to do, I think was the subtext to that. And so I think that's pretty good advice for anyone. And then the second thing I'd share is something that I wish I had been told. I wish I had been told this probably in high school or maybe even college, but I wish I had been told that hard work doesn't always pay off. So true. And I don't mean that in like a nihilistic, the world is terrible, <laughs> nothing matters kind of way. Right. I mean that in like a really kind of positive sense. You know, like I think I spent, maybe even wasted a lot of years, like I said earlier in our conversation, like doing the right thing, you know, like trying to be good at everything because that's how you get a good GPA and that's how you get into law school. And, you know, and it's kind of like working hard for like the wrong reasons, you know? And, and I think I, I wish I had understood at an earlier age, what I, what I learned, oh man, day one in the workforce, when you're a woman and a woman of color, which is that you do not work in a meritocracy at all. And that so, is so true. Hard work does not always pay off. And so I think the lesson there is, so you may as well work hard at what you love. Yes. I have like one mini story that has to do with your first piece and it like just came to me, but I, my first non-restaurant job was that I worked mm -hmm. for Ross Dress for Less. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to Ross. That's a free plug for you. And I remember when I came into the store, they were like, you're, we're going to start you in the fitting room. And then if you can clean up the fitting room and because they had like cart after cart after cart after cart of go backs, like maybe, I, I kid you not, maybe like 15 carts of just disorganized stuff that needed to go be put back into the store and the racks were a mess and everything. And they're like, we'll start you here. If you do a good job, we'll let you move to the front to the cash register. And I was like, okay whatever I need to do. So I like, like within, you know, I mean, it took a while because it was like mm -hmm. this never ending process, but within a reasonable period of time, I had it all ship shape. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to move on to something else. So they're like, no, well, who, who's going to take care of the fitting room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I've called this 
the fitting room scenario is like a mm-hmm. thing with my sister. Like, cause my sister is, she's, she's had many jobs like that where she's so good. They're like, well, then who's going to do that thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's happened to me in other jobs too. And I'm like, God damn it. That fitting room. <laughs> yeah. I'm back into play. Yeah. You know, like, because you become, you do what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're good at it. So they don't want you to quit. Yeah. That thing to move on to something with growth because then they would, it won't be as good. Yeah. You get and it's just goals. like, yeah. yeah, it's just like, I'm, I'm remembering something that like my brother and I, we never made our beds growing up. And like my, I still don't, honestly, I think it's a waste. Of I time. don't either. It's, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so, it's a waste of time ever. But, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, but my mom, who is like a very, very tidy, organized, neat person, she did her damnedest to get us to make our bed and our beds. My kind of like, 2020 hindsight <laughs> of it is that I think like my brother and I were just so bad at making our beds that we could like never satisfy our mom. Mm. And so she just gave up on us because we were not good at it. We could never make it to her specifications. Got it. <laughs> so, I think, so I think we were like maybe strategically bad at making the bed. And so she gave up on us and then we never had to make it again, you know? So you like, win, win, win. Yay. Or at least win for my brother and me. So yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We are going to link everything in the show notes. I know the book is slated universe willing to be published and released somewhere in April, correct? Mm -hmm. End of April. End of April. So please be looking for the book, buy the book, buy the book because this woman is amazing and it will (laughs) enrich your life and we can all use just encouraging stories of how people have empowered themselves to propel themselves forward. And this is definitely one that will be on my bookshelf. So I'm excited about that. (laughs) If you'd like to connect with Kanor about Mindhatch or about the book, we will link all of her social media profiles in the show notes, as well as her email. And join us in the Client Experience Revolution podcast group. We hang out there a lot. We network, we have fun. We talk about the podcast. And we just thank you so much every week for joining us for this podcast and look forward to seeing you next time. Bye, Kanoor. 